0: Good morning, greet you in Jesus name this morning. Happy Father's Day. I'm gonna give you an acrostic. F stands for faithful. A good father. Good fathers are faithful. A stands for action. Good fathers are people of action. T stands for teacher, good fathers are teachers, H stands for hope, good fathers offer hope to their families, E stands for example, good fathers are a positive example, R stands for reliable, good fathers are reliable. on onset here, I am just as much challenged by studying this and was a challenge to me and I'm going to share it with you. So obviously today is Father's Day. It's a day set aside to honor those that are fathers and it's a privilege that I'm a father and I think The Lord for the tremendous honor of being a father myself. A father and a son went fishing one day after a couple hours in the boat. The boy suddenly became very curious about the world around him and he asked his father, how does this boat float? The father thought for a moment, then replied, I don't rightly know, son. The boy returned to his contemplating, contemplation, turning back to his father, how does fish breathe underwater? Once again, the father replied, I don't rightly know, son. Little boy, a little later, the little boy asked his father, why is the sky blue? Again, the father replied, I don't rightly know, son. Worried, he was going to annoy his father. He says, Dad, do you mind my asking you all these questions? Of course not, son. If you don't ask questions, you'll never learn anything. Sometimes, children, just enjoy being with you, and we'll come up with some of the bizarre questions. And those that are fathers understand very well what I'm talking about. Because I once was a boy and I know I asked bizarre questions. And they need answers. And I don't ever remember a time that my dad got frustrated with it. But I know there's times that I've got frustrated with it. And maybe he did and didn't show it. I know that I am not a perfect father. And I hope that I have got a few things right along the way, but I continue to learn. But either way, anyway, anyhow, we have an influence that will affect our children. And when Jesus was passed over again by the ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him. And he was nigh unto the seed. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come, and lay thy hand on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him, and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. And when she had heard Jesus come, came in the press behind, and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountains of her blood were dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knew, knowing, in himself that the virtue had gone out of him turned him about in the press and said who touched my clothes and his disciples said unto him thou seest the multitude thronging thee and sayest thou who toucheth me and he looked around about to see her that had done this thing and when a woman fearing and trembling knowing what was done in her came and fell down before him and told him all the truth and he said unto her daughter Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain, which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the words that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth the tumult, and them that wept, and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughing him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother and of the damsel, and them that were with him, and entered in, where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand, and said unto her, Talatha come I, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel rose, and, walk it, and walked, for she was of the age of twelve years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. And he charged them straightway, that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given to her to eat. Here is Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue. His job, his responsibility was that of overseeing the business of the synagogue. He would have probably had a major uh, part in every service. He was probably responsible for making sure that everything was in order and ready for time of the service, he probably would have been responsible for handling the Torah, maybe even calling on someone to read from it. This was his responsibility. He would have been probably responsible for the grounds, the building. Jairus. By virtue of his position in the synagogue was a very important man a very important man in his community he was a man of prominence prestige privilege prosperity and power in his community I'm sure when Jarius spoke people listened when Jarius walked into a room I'm sure they stood in recognition Most men in his position would have aligned themselves with the Pharisees. It would have been a position that would have been looked up to. So we could say he was a man that had it all. He was had reached the pinnacle of success in the society that he lived. But at this moment, at this time in his life, none of it mattered. He suddenly finds himself at a place where none of this matters. Sickness and death could care less about who this man is and what possessions or positions he holds. Life becomes very defining. He becomes very powerless. His religion is powerless. Jerry's has everything a man could ever want, but yet there's nothing in it. And what does he do? Verse 22. He falls at the feet of Jesus. The word fell there means to descend from a higher place to a lower. Jerry's is coming down off his perch and humbling himself before the Lord. Dads, children need to see that in you and me. They need to see men that are not afraid to approach Jesus, not ashamed to kneel before the Lord in public, home, they need to see men who are like Jairus that fall before Jesus. They're helpless. And they're hopeless without the help of the Lord. There was a farmer who had labored all spring and summer for a crop of wheat. And as as harvest time neared, he was sure that he was gonna receive a bumper crop. And this crop was sorely needed to pay off the creditors and supply and secure the family for another year. Just a few days before the crop was to be harvested, a very freak storm that brought strong winds and hail completely destroyed the crop and the harvest was lost. The farmer stood beside the field and looking at the ruined crop and his his small son stood nearby. The boy expected that his father would react in anger and despair. He expected his father to curse the weather and maybe even God. Instead, the father began to softly sing Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. When that little boy reached adulthood, he said, that was the greatest sermon I ever heard. The influence of a man who realized that God was in control of everything. His father demonstrated a genuine faith that was real in good times and in bad. And his father spoke Volumes to his son. Just yesterday, the storm was moving in, and I made the comment that it reminded me a lot of that day the storm came that took our barns down. Just the, the way it felt, um, the way the storm developed, and the way it moved across the sky. It reminded me a lot. And I made a comment about it. Nothing very se- severe happened yesterday. But little did I know that yesterday, seven years ago, was when we lost our calf barns. And uh, I don't know how many of you all know the story behind that, but we had just... Uh, Went through somewhat of a rocky road with calf calf raising. Had spent or lost quite a bit of money on a PhD in calf raising. So we knew a lot, and we had just stuck a group of calves in. And uh, they were only two weeks old. They were all living. They were all doing well. And when you can get to the two-week mark with baby calves, and they're all living, you have done well. If anything's gonna to happen to him, it's gonna happen within that first two weeks. And we were feeling very good. Well, this storm developed, and it, uh, usually I'm not too terribly worried, but it got bad enough that I'm like, we're going to the basement. And I remember hearing splinterings of wood, and just this is ruckus, and you know, they talk about a freight train. I mean, it didn't sound like a freight train, but there was a lot of noise. I was watching it, and I remember looking to the west and seeing the dirt and stuff. I mean, to me, I was so close that it wasn't physically... I couldn't physically see a tornado. But after watching some of these videos of developing tornadoes, I certainly think it was, because the dirt was going up in the sky higher than our 80-foot silo. And uh, anyway, not to... Make a long, make a long story short here. We made a beeline for the house and discovered that our barns are down. So we flew out there because we knew we had 160 calves that were probably who knows what underneath this barn. And, uh, we got out there and realized that the storm was not done yet because I think we got three or four more inches of rain and, uh, Uh, on our way back in i said we're not staying out here we're getting back in again because there was still rotation out in the field yet there was still little spinners spinning dirt just small ones i said we're not hanging around here so we'd be lining back in but the point i'm trying to make is the impact that probably had on our children we were just discussing this how i don't know how old they were i guess you do the math seven years ago um They were with us in the truck and they were petrified. They were screaming and crying and, and, uh, you know, I'm sure that was very traumatic for them. It was for us. But what do you do? It's out of your hands. And I don't know if I verbally said this to anybody, but I know I I said it to the Lord. Um, and that's what Job said. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The other part of influence in verse 23 is how we appeal to Jesus. He says, And he besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at a point of death. I pray thee, come, lay thy hand on her and that she may be healed and shall live. I see a father here that, <laughs> I think Luke mentions maybe it's his only daughter. A father that is, is in desperate need of something for his daughter. And he's appealing to Jesus, just come, just come to my house and lay your hand on her that she may be healed. Jairus was well aware that wealth could not buy healing for his daughter, he knew the social the social position in his power could not give him access to the social circles in his town. Probably for the first time in his life, Jerry realized that he was absolutely helpless at doing anything for his daughter that he loved. Dads, it is our responsibility that we lay our children and we bring them to Jesus. To lay the children within the sphere of our influence before the Lord and trust Him for their spiritual upbringing and their salvation. One of the greatest gifts that you can give your children is the gift of prayer, the gift of faith of God diligently take their names to the Lord. Pray for their protection. Pray that they will develop a hunger for the things of God. And they're going to watch. Your influence is going to affect them as they watch you. If they see men, fathers, dads, Love the Lord, they are more likely to love Him too. You will notice that Jairus did what he did in public. He didn't send a servant to call on Jesus, he didn't allow another to do what was his responsibility. He publicly humbled himself before the Lord and saw Jesus for the needs of his life. Do the children around us see you worship in church? Have they heard your testimony? Do they see you faithful placing, do they see you faithfully placing Jesus ahead of your business or other hobbies? children around us see our devotion to the Lord lived out daily. They must see us trusting in Him, walking with Him, looking to Him for all things and in all all ways. third part of influence that that I see in verse 23, 24, and 38, and that is how we associate with Jesus. When, G- when Jairus came to Jesus, he told the Lord of his great need. And immediately he invited Jesus to his house, to his home, in verse 38. And he cometh to his house, the ruler of the synagogue. Jarius had invited Jesus into his home. <clears throat> We need to bring Jesus into our homes. He needs to be a part of our family. Going to church is one thing, but to bring Jesus home is quite another. For us fathers, we have responsibilities in leading out and home, in develop in some of the developing and formation of our children some of those things rest on our shoulder and how we train and teach our children and things pertaining to church and, and structure of home it's not the wife's responsibility to see that the children are in the lord's house when it's time to worship it's your responsibility it's your responsibility to see that they're learning from the bible It's your responsibility to teach them how a man of God walks, talks, and lives. It's your responsibility to guard the home and to keep out things that would steal or stunt the souls of your children, such as internet, music. And you could put more to that list. It's your responsibility for what they see, hear, and learn Teach them to be discerning when it comes to language and context. It is your responsibility to see that Jesus Christ is your Lord and the Lord of your house and be sure that he comes home with you. When I was studying for this, there was a couple old fellows sitting not too far from me, and they were telling stories of trips that they have taken. And one of the stories of the trips they had taken was recounted as going into Chicago. And this old fellow was saying how he had a motorhome and he traveled around with his wife and they ended up in Chicago. And I couldn't help but smile and think about probably the section of town they got in because he said, boy, he said, It was bad, he said. I, I really felt for the safety of our, of my wife. He said, uh, some of the activity that, that he saw going on there, he said, at night when they slept, he talked about how he did this to the motorhome and that to the motorhome and and even grabbed a baseball bat and kept it close by the bed and going to great lengths to, to try and protect himself in, uh, in, in where he was at. Even in the course, he mentioned about a shotgun being under the bed with a, with, while it was loaded and, Then he says, uh, I don't care what happens to me. It's just, I don't want nothing to happen to my wife. As I was thinking about that, you know, that's physical. What great lengths of protection we can go to sometimes to protect ourselves physically. But what kind of, what kind of lengths Uh, great lengths of protection do we go to for our spiritual family? Um, Are we concerned? Do we care? I understand that there is the element of of, I don't know, I like the illustration of letting the wind hit the wings and let them feel the pressure, but you can't just throw children out there and expect them to to, uh, totally make it without godly influence. Also, I think there's an element that is different today that we are having, uh, to pilot ourselves through that maybe previous generations have not had to deal with. And that is the world and the source of the world is in our homes Um, where before the internet you know you could shut your doors and you could have somewhat of a safe haven somewhat of a protection but now with the internet we basically have the world in our hand and it's a source of influence that can come right into our homes and Be detrimental. It can be an asset, but we need to be very careful. Use lots of wisdom in deciphering and understanding. When Jesus, when Jairus brought Jesus home that day, everything changed. His daughter was raised from the dead, and God was glorified. We are to teach our children. Not sure what I mean by my thought here. What we teach our children, as they grow up, um, is going to show up when they become adults. What is a father's influence? He teaches kindness by being thoughtful and gracious, even at home. He teaches patience by keeping, by being gentle and understanding over and over. He teaches honesty by keeping his promise to his family even when it costs. He teaches courageous by living unfraid with faith in all circumstances. He teaches justice by being fair and dealing equally with everyone. He teaches obedience to God's word by precept and example as he reads and prays daily with his family. He teaches love for God and his church as he takes his family regularly to service, and he steps. His steps are important because they are going to follow him. That is the father's influence. There is one startling bit of research that was conducted by christian business men's community and they found out the following when a father is an active believer there is about 75 percent likelihood that the children will also become active believers but if only the mother is a believer this likelihood is dramatically reduced to 15 percent. so they found that a father's influence is very, very important in the lives of children. When it came to Jesus, Jairus led his family in the right direction, down the right path. He openly declared his faith in the Lord. He willingly brought his home under the influence of Jesus. He calmly placed his child under the sovereign care of the Lord Jesus. Jarius got it right. And his family was forever changed because of it. A daughter who would have died, lived. A wife who would have known nothing but sorrow, found joy. A home that would have been shrouded with darkness was given great light. All because this man, Jairus, cared enough to seek Jesus and share Jesus and submit to Jesus. Closing. Are we setting the right example for our family? For the children around you? Are you setting the example at home by building your home into a place where Jesus Christ is welcomed and honored? And worshiped? Are you bringing your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? There is no way to overemphasize the influence of a faithful man in the lives of children, spouses, and the church. Men, along with me, we will be that kind of man. God bless you abundantly. Sneal for prayer.